If anyone else thought we'd get through the Paschal weekend without strange stories coming out of the Vatican, I hate to disappoint. But we have another truly strange one upon us. Many traditional Catholics have, for several decades, pointed out that the post-Vatican II Church has had a strange fixation on a new version of the mercy of God, something that as a concept is pretty new in the Church. Now, mercy isn't new, of course, but this version, mercy without justice, mercy with a muted sense of repentance, is pretty new, best embodied by the concept of accompaniment, dialogue, and lately, human fraternity. Yes, those buzzwords again. But in the present pontificate, we get this ramped up to 11. And why? Who really knows, but we have another example of this today, coming from Easter weekend. And I'm not seeing anyone else talk about this, so let's dive into Francis's strange fascination with Judas Iscariot, because his fascination with the man who turned on Christ has come up again at Easter, because of course it did. But first, I wanted to thank the patrons of this channel for their continued support. It really does enable the work of this channel to continue and to grow. If you want to join the supporters of this channel, you can do so through Patreon or Subscribestar, as for as little as one buck a month. There are other options in the description box as well. It really does help this channel to keep going and to grow. And please, support the other content creators you like as well. We are all going through some very strange time around here these days. Thanks. Back to our story. We go to the newspaper of the Holy See, Lo Servitor Romano, for this joy-filled story. Now, it is worth noting here that this is the official print outlet of the Holy See, one of a few media operations the Vatican has. As such, the Roman Curia, including the Pope himself, has a large amount of influence on what it publishes. Remember that, because on the weekend of the Holy Tritium, they published an issue that dedicated its first three pages to Judas Iscariot. Yes, that Judas, the Iscariot, who I said in a recent video was the spiritual father of the modernists, who is the mascot of much of the hierarchy of the church today. The front page featured this strange picture, which depicts a sparsely clad Jesus ministering over Judas, after what looks like the resurrection of our Lord, something we get no indication of in scripture. I was confused by this picture because I remember the creed and the gospel narrative of what our Lord did after his passion. I was thinking, perhaps this was supposed to happen when our Lord descended into the land of perdition to take the holy souls to heaven, implying heavily that Judas was redeemed by our Lord despite Judas's actions. Of course, that's not what happened, but it's the impression you get if you know the gospel at all. And the statement they're making here is a strong one, and it's a very strange one that does not comport to what the church has always taught. And I honestly think that's what they're going for. The editor likely did this in obedience to an order of Pope Francis, because Francis has a long history of having a fascination with Judas, which I'm going to go over in a minute. The editorial that accompanies the piece says that the Vatican decided to focus on the most unsettling figure from the gospel narrative. I'm not sure if the Iscariot is the most unsettling figure of the gospel, unless we've been numb to the gospel message of our Lord, and that the very nature of its message that defies our assumptions has been lost on us. I'm reminded of the preface to the Our Father in the New Mass and in the traditional Latin Mass, both of which say to the effect that we dare to call the Father Our Father, and I think people mouth those words without remembering that before our Lord introduced that idea to the faithful, it was something so out of this world that it was among one of the reasons that the hierarchy of the temple used against him. But anyway, the author of that editorial explains that the painter of this painting is a French Catholic who became impressed by Francis's words praising the Iscariot in his book, Our Father. 
The artist imagines that after the passion of the Lord, he would have returned to life immediately, gone to the fig tree, encountered Judas, and ministered to him. Bizarre, to say the least. The artist reports that Francis loved this painting so much that he has placed it on the wall behind his desk along with another representing Judas. But again, think about that. After the resurrection. And we know what Judas did during the Passion and during our, Lord, during our Lord's Passion, and it was three days, so remember that. And yes, remember this also, that Francis has at least two paintings depicting Judas in his office. And that is more than a little weird. I am going to sidestep this for a second because we need to look briefly at Francis's fascination with Judas Iscariot. And I hate being that guy, but is there something below the surface here for Francis that he isn't seeing himself, but many of us can see? Tradition in Action has a piece on Francis's fascination with him. It was penned by Dr. Marion T. Horvat. I'll quote the doctor here for you so you can get a clear understanding of this rooted in theology. Quote, on three different occasions, Francis has praised Judas publicly, suggesting that the apostle who turned on our Lord Jesus Christ is a misunderstood personality, and the end of his story possibly is not Gehenna. We should not be surprised, since on other occasions the same pope, assuring us he is following in the tradition of John Paul II, proposes that Gehenna as a physical place does not exist at all. The most recent attempt to rehabilitate Judas is in the book Our Father, an interview Francis granted to Don Marco Poso. An excerpt published by Il Corriere de Acera on November 23, 2017, reveals Francis's denial of the traditional Catholic teaching that Judas was sent to Gehenna. Of the three persons involved in Christ's passion, St. Peter, the good thief, and Judas, Pope Bergoglio affirms that the case that moves me most is Judas's shame. He goes through the story, presenting Judas as a difficult character to understand. Firstly, he sincerely repents. Second, the righteous ones, the priests, reject him. Third, since he can't find a way out of his situation, he is overcome with a guilt that overwhelms him. A sympathetic portrayal of Judas, who, according to the Pope, is himself betrayed by the lack of mercy of the quote-unquote righteous ones, the priests, end quote. Let's focus on something here his fascination with the righteous ones. Does it remind you of anything? I'm reminded of his constant talk about pharisaical behavior and his constant aiming at traditionally-minded Catholics who want the liturgy of our ancestors and the faith that was taught constantly going to the apostles. That is what I'm reminded of here, that we would not forgive Judas according to this idea. Of course, Judas did not really seek forgiveness from the hierarchy of his time. He tried to give the money back, and they wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take no for an answer there. Remember, he sort of tossed it at them. And to that end, it may have shown maybe a degree of repentance, but he never went to the apostles and asked for forgiveness, and instead went on to do the one thing the church has said cannot be absolved. Historically, the theologians of the church has said that one of the very few people that can for sure be said to be Gehenna is in fact Judas. Thomas Aquinas, Augustine, and Pope St. Leo the Great all taught that Judas was in Gehenna. But the post-conciliar church has increasingly said they disagree, with one cardinal in 2018 saying it was heresy to say Judas was in perdition. So, St. Thomas, St. Augustine, and Pope St. Leo the Great taught heresy, according to this Vatican official, and by implication, according to Pope Francis, who has a strange fascination with Judas himself. This is no more evident than the original story I started with from La Servitore Romano, 
which on its inside pages features a sermon by Father Primo Mazzolari, saying that he believes Judas was forgiven by our Lord as well. As a brief comment by Cardinal Carlo Maria Martini on Mazzolari's sermon, saying that each of us can have a Judas inside himself, which I guess is true. A text by Giovanni Papini arguing that Judas must have had an ulterior motive to turn on Christ because 30 pieces of silver coins did not have that much worth. And a text by Giuseppe Berto impersonating Judas, who affirms that Jesus, our Lord, owes his glorification to Judas. <laughs> so, I have to ask the uncomfortable question. What is going on over there? One of the hallmarks of modernism is the utter casting aside of what the church taught on all the things we find difficult to our soft modern ears, and this is one of them. Remember, they are preparing now for Divine Mercy Sunday, and whether they are going to present the Divine Mercy message accurately or not is something I'm getting into here. All I will say is that I am not a fan of the Divine Mercy devotion, and I'll leave it at that. With the focus they have on all of this, their theological grounding is most famously summed up by the Archbishop of the Internet, who said, Dare we hope all men are saved. He promotes the theory that the Vatican, before the Council, flagged as heresy, that Gehenna was mostly, if not completely, empty of human souls. And that is what we're talking about here. This is the first time, as far as we know, that La Servitor Romano has promoted Judas Iscariot on its first three pages. And it almost looks like the inauguration of a new saint in the official launching of the Church of Judas on a good Friday of all days. And some people wonder why I call everything we're seeing the ape of the church. But we are talking about the same people who also issued commemorative stamps to Martin Luther and John Calvin. <laughs> so the defense of Judas has been named in the name of the abyss of God's mercy. So we see that now divine mercy against all the scriptural evidence also applies to Judas despite what Aquinas, Augustine, and Leo the Great said. We disregard three doctors of the church for the modern innovations. And what are the limits of this? I'm reminded of all those interviews with Scalfari, and all those times Francis has said that you just need to be a goody kumbaya type with cupcakes and all the rest, and you'll be fine. I'm reminded of that time Francis had an audience in the Vatican, and a young missionary woman introduced him to some people who had come to our Lord and entered into the church, and Francis chided her for it. I'm reminded of more things than I can enumerate here, so let me know in the comments what this all reminds you of, because this isn't new. It's just the most overt celebration of the Iscariot we've seen in a while from them. Thanks for liking, commenting, and subscribing, and a special thank you to the patrons and members of this channel and the support, their support, which makes all of this possible. It's appreciated. As always, please pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.